y'all today? Well, we're still coming in, so we'll get a little bit better. A few announcements for today. Uh, we will have, uh, coming up on the 17th, if you're involved with the youth, there will be a prep night for the Youth Potato Bake Fundraiser, and that Potato Bake Fundraiser will be on the 21st. So if you are a youth or a friend of the youth, make plans uh, to attend that uh, event this year. Uh, also coming up on the 21st, we'll have our uh, quarterly business meeting. There will be a food bank uh, distribution on the 22nd. <clears throat> and we will uh, begin our planning for uh, this year's kids camp on the 28th. So if you're involved in those ministries, make sure you take a look at your bulletin <clears throat> excuse me, and plan to attend those meetings. And at this time, I would like to ask our guest for today, Nathan and Ashley, to join me. Nathan and Ashley are candidates for two positions that we have available at the church. And Nathan will be coming in view of a call for the Associate Pastor of Youth and Discipleship. So he will be taking an expanded role more than our, some of our current youth ministers have and he'll be uh, working throughout the, the church life with the youth and also with some of our small group pro training programs and so on and so forth. And Ashley is coming today uh, in view of a call for our music ministry position. So we're gonna pray for them in just a minute as we start our worship. But let me first tell you a little bit about these two. Uh, Nathan was licensed into the gospel ministry at Pendleton Baptist Church in Pendleton, Texas, May 15th, 2015, and was ordained at Memorial Baptist Church, March 26, 2017. He is a graduate of Mary Harden Baylor, with a major in Christian studies and a minor in biblical language, and also a graduate of George W. Truett Seminary in Waco with the Master of Divinity in this past December, 2017. He has been the pastor and youth pastor at Pendleton Baptist Church since 2014. And probably most importantly, he met Ashley at Truett and they were married uh, June of 2016, so newlyweds. Ashley is a graduate of Howard Payne in Brownwood with a major in practical theology and a minor of church music. She's also a graduate of Truett Seminary with a Master's of Divinity and concentration on church music. She has served various positions in church music since her calling at the age of 17, including the worship leader at both First Baptist Church in Cransville Gaps and now currently serving with her husband at Pendleton Baptist Church um, going back all the way to 2010 on the other one, but currently for the Pendleton Baptist Church. So at this time, if you will join with me in prayer as we begin our worship service, we will pray for these two as they lead us today and also pray for our service. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your guidance to this couple. Lord, your plan is greater than our plan, and we pray that we have listened with discerning ears. As we enter this time of worship, Lord, I ask that you be with us in the service of song, that we may sing your praises, and that we may hear your voice in the proclamation of this word, in your word. 
Lord, guide us today. Guide us to the people that you will have lead us, that you will have lead our students so that they may know how to be Christians in this world. Guide us in the direction of our music that with different personalities becomes different styles, that this style will be for your kingdom, that it will help us reach into this community that we call home. Lord, I pray for Nathan and Ashley now as they lead that their nerves will be lessened and their hearts will be full with joy. It is in your name we pray, amen. And at this time, if you haven't greeted your neighbor, do so now. Good morning, church. Well, if I were to say this is the day that the Lord has made, you might respond with saying, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Well, if y'all are feeling redeemed this morning, and if you're willing and able to stand with me, let's stand and sing redeemed together. Child and forever I am Redeemed. 
children how are y'all today good okay so let me ask you do y'all know things you do you know a few things so let me ask you what if you knew something really good say if you're in a class and a teacher asks a question and you know the answer what if you kept it secret have you ever done that if you, you knew the right thing but you kept it secret or, or how about if you knew um, who, who plays video games? Y'all play video games? PS4. Okay, so you're a perfect example on this one. So you know video games. What if somebody was looking to buy a new gaming system and they wanted to buy a Nintendo 64? Do you even know what that is? There's a good reason. Yeah, some of y'all do. Now, if you were like me who grew up in the, the 90s, you know what that is. That's an old game system. It doesn't play the new games, does it? No. So how you would you tell them that you have an Atari to? Ooh, you got a cool one. I want to come to your house. So <laughs> I never had an Atari. I'm kind of jealous. And, and so if you knew how to help them buy the right thing, would you just let them buy whatever they wanted to, or would you help them say, you know, you really need to get the latest P PS4, not the not the original PlayStation, the PS4, right? And so, uh, what if you knew how to save somebody's life? So you had the knowledge to save somebody's life. Would you keep that a secret? No. Did you know many Christians do that? They have heard the gospel and the saving message of Jesus Christ. And we keep it a secret. We don't share it with other people. If you knew how to save their life, just like in those other situations, if you knew the right answer in class, you give it. If you knew, if you have heard the message and you have responded to the gospel, we want to share it to others, don't we? So let me pray for you. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time with his children. Lord, we pray as we plant these seeds in their hearts that as they grow to maturity, that they will learn that they do have a great secret, a great answer, but it is not to be kept to themselves. It is to be shared with the world and all who would listen. Whether the world will believe them or not, it is our job as Christians to share that message. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'll be reading from John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day when we can gather together and worship you as fellow believers. Please help us to realize your wonders all around us and your unending protection, forgiveness, and guidance. Lord, be with Nathan and Ashley as they share us in our service. Let us be hearers of your word and doers of your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. I'll invite you all to stay seated if you'd like. Um, but feel free to just worship as you, as you please. So we're going to sing How Great Is Our God together. And at the end, we'll tag on the chorus of How Great Thou Art. That'll be fun. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. Sing how great, how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age he stands, and time hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great of all names. Name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. 
all sound so beautiful. At this time in the service, I would like to just share my testimony with you guys. Um, I am from Cranfields Gap, Texas, as Mark said. That's about a town of, it was like 280 people when I lived there. I grew up there, graduated high school there with seven other students. Public school, they play six-man football there. Um, it's still up and running. And um, I have a sister who's 22, and I have a brother who's 13, so he's still back there playing six-man football. Um, I am 25 years old, in case y'all didn't know how old I was. Um, but I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior at the age of five. I was very young, but I had a real understanding of who Jesus Christ is and that I needed him to save me from my sins. And... Um, from a very young age, from I think six years old, I was the first time I sang in church. It was my uncle's baptism day, and I sang, I saw the light, I saw the light. Um, and I've just really loved being a part of church music from a very young age. Um, my church had a small choir. Um, being from a tiny town, it, it didn't last very long having a choir to keep up with, but I'm sure you all understand how that is. Um, but um, at the age of 12, when I started getting involved in the youth group and stuff, I really began to understand why I feel so drawn to church music. That is where I feel God speak to me most clearly is through songs and, and in music. I feel like I'm closest to God. And that's just, that's my thing. You know, we all have something that we feel nearer to God when we're doing this or when we're at this place, maybe in this sanctuary, maybe out in the fields. Um, and then it was at the age of 17 that I heard clearly God say, Ashley, I want you to surrender to your life to ministry and I want you to take this love that you have for music and I want you to share it with people and I want you to use that to spread the gospel for my sake and for my glory and not for yours. And I said, okay, Lord. And um, that was at church camp when I was 17. I came back home to my hometown, and I told my church this happened this week at camp. And they said, okay, you're going to lead worship next week. And I said, oh, okay. Um, so they were so gracious and let me lead worship for them my senior year of high school. And I took that with me to Howard Payne University, and like Mark said, I studied theology and church music, and just graduated with Nathan from Truett Seminary in December um, with my Master of Divinity, and here I am today, I'm just pursuing that, and um, I've committed my life to ministry, and I hope that um, I can do that for a long time, and um, that's a little bit about me. So this next hymn is probably new to y'all, but it's called, Will You Come and Follow Me? And just coming into this hymn from my testimony, I think about in scripture, when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, come follow me. And I heard Jesus call my name and say, come follow me. And I hope that everyone in here has heard that too. So let's sing together this hymn, Will You Come and Follow Me? Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? 
As we come to you in this time of offering, we thank you for letting us just come here to church and learn more about you and fellowship with people we know and love. Uh, Just use this offering to the betterment of your kingdom. Amen. While while y'all are giving your tithes and offerings, uh, I wanted to share a special song with y'all. It's called Canons. The words are going to be up here so that y'all can read along and know what I'm singing, Um, but there's a couple lines in this song I wanted to to stand out for you um, before I started singing. It says, the moon and the stars declare who you are, and forever my heart will sing of how great you are. And just going along with the theme of proclaiming today, um, I wanted to share this song with you guys.
It's falling from the clouds, a strange and lovely sound. I hear it in the thunder and the rain. It's ringing in the skies like cannons in the night. The music of the universe plays. We're singing you are holy, great and mighty. The moon and the stars declare who you are. I'm so Beautiful and free, the song of galaxies, reaching far beyond the Milky Way. Let's join in with the sound, come on, let's sing it out, as the music of the universe plays. You can sing with me. You are holy, great and mighty, the moon and the stars declare who you are, and I'm so unworthy, but still you declare who you are i'm so unworthy but still you love me forever my heart will sing of you and you are holy great and mighty the moon and the stars declare who
and to have met so many of y'all. Um, it was funny, yesterday morning, uh, John Taylor came up to me and Ashley, and he said, your hands are going to be sore when you leave. And I, I said, my hands are going to be sore, why? And he said, because you're going to shake so many people's hands, they're going to be sore. And I, I thought that was funny, and uh, not only are our hands a little sore and mine a little sweaty this morning, uh, but um, our cheeks are sore from smiling so much. We've really enjoyed the time here, and our, our hearts are full as well. Um, I'm just going to share with you my testimony just uh, briefly. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my grandfather is a pastor, and so is my, my dad. Um, we grew up in Oregon, the state of Oregon. We uh, moved to Texas when I was 10, so double that almost, and I've been in Texas for that long, so I consider myself a Texan and married to a, a full-blood Texan, so uh, I think I'm okay there. But when I was growing up, I was taught by my grandfather and my grandmother, who taught my Sunday school class, about the great stories of the Bible and about Jesus Christ. And at the early age of seven, I uh, committed my life to follow Christ and was baptized by my grandfather, and it was just amazing. Um, that he was able to do that. And then later on in life, uh, I served as his youth pastor and actually I'm serving as the pastor of the church that he founded, uh, Pendleton Baptist Church right now. But it was the passionate preaching of my grandfather that, um, and the way he presented the gospel that made me realize I needed Jesus in my life. Um, a few years after that, my parents surrendered into the ministry and moved our family to Texas moved for our family of seven. There was five of my siblings, four brothers and one sister, uh, to Texas where we didn't know anyone. Um, at the time, my dad was an executive chef at a fancy resort. And no, I didn't get any of his trade. I didn't watch him making food, so I'm sorry about that if you're expecting a fancy dinner from me. Um, but and my, mom, my mom was a cake decorator, and so they left those things to move to Texas just stepping out on faith in God's will, um, where my dad became a pastor of a small church and my mom would homeschool our five, the five children they had. When we moved to Texas, we encountered several different things. One was hot and humid summers. I think it was like a, the hottest summer that summer when we moved on record in central Texas when we moved. Another thing was these little mounds of dirt. I don't know if you have them here, but they're little mounds of dirt. We would kick them when we first got here, but there was little ants, fire ants. Y'all have those here? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, uh, so we didn't, we didn't know what those were. We found out real quickly, though. Um, as well as we've, we found out some pretty intense thunderstorms as well as the, the threat of tornadoes here in Texas, which in Oregon we didn't have those. Another thing that we weren't used to, though, was being poor. My, my parents, my dad was an executive chef, and, and when we moved to Texas, you know, we became a pastor of a small church and homeschooled five children. We didn't have a whole lot. But through it all, God had a purpose and a plan for us, and he was going to take care of us. As I went into high school, I loved sports. I was in playing basketball, baseball, football, every, every sport you can imagine. And I was also at church a lot, so where you could find me either on the, on the field or the court or at the church. But when I went to college, I quit those things. I quit both sports and I quit church because I moved away from my parents and I had freedom. So I moved out on my own and uh, 
got into uh, the party scene and, and uh, influences that I shouldn't have been around, and I ran away from God. During that time, though, I never doubted God's existence. I knew God was, uh, was real, but I didn't know how real he was. I doubted God's existence, but I never doubted God's existence, but I did doubt what he could do in my life. And then eventually God sent a mentor, someone I actually listened to, and brought me out of that and brought me back to Christ, and eventually I surrendered my life completely to Christ. When I think about my testimony and what God has done in my life, I can't help but think back to God's faithfulness. He's always been there for me. I can't help but think back to the leap of faith that my parents took in responding to God's call on their lives, moving our family to Texas where they didn't know anyone. Whenever I see this type of faith in action and the fact that God takes care of us and loves us no matter where we are at in life, often, often calling us to something much bigger and better than what we have planned, I can't help but say, my God is real. Amen? This morning we're going to be looking at John, 1 John chapter 1. It's one of those small books near the back of the Bible, and if you flip too fast, you may miss it. But it, it's one of those with a few chapters, but it has a lot of weight with it. The Apostle John wrote this book along with 2nd and 3rd John, along with the Gospel of John, and the book of Revelation. When he wrote this letter, he was living in Ephesus and would have been in his late 80s and early 90s. In his old age, the Apostle John is reflecting and reminiscing and as the only apostle still alive, he spoke with great authority. The Apostle John. There's something about an older person sharing spiritual truth that just makes us sit up, sit up and listen. Do you have someone in your life who is a spiritual mentor to you, who can tell you, give you spiritual truth and wisdom, godly advice? I hope that you find someone if you have not found that person yet. 1 John is known as a general letter, meaning that it, was, it wasn't written to a certain congregation, but it was circulated among the uh, early believers. And the tone of the letter is tender, as John refers to his readers as little children. But he's also tough on, spreading, on the spreading of false teaching. Now, the letters of the New Testament often are written to counteract some heresy, that had been infiltrated into the church that was wrong, that's false teaching, contrary to the gospel. John's main purpose here is to remind believers that they can be certain about the truths of Christianity. And they can be confident in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so can we. The word heresy means to select or choose. Heresy, select or choose. False teachers teach some truth, but then mix in their own opinion and they select certain themes and ideas to focus on. John here is dealing with a specific uh, false teaching called Gnosticism. Gnosticism, which taught that all matter is evil and only the spirit is good. Now this has a lot of different distinctions, but one of the most dangerous ones that come out of Gnosticism was that they believed Jesus was more like a, a phantom or a vision. He didn't really have flesh and blood. And according to this view, Jesus didn't really suffer on the cross. 
and die, or rise from the dead. Gnosticism, which got its name from the word knowledge in Greek, also taught that only those who had a certain special knowledge could be saved. Because of this belief, there was two behaviors that emerged. And I just want to say, wrong, behavior, wrong beliefs lead to wrong behavior. The first behavior was flesh fasting. You guys know what fasting is, where you, you do away with something for a while. And, but this idea was that the, since the body is evil, any urge or, or a desire must be done away with. Just don't do anything that your body, that you want to do. And in this view, people would unplug completely from the world. Now, sometimes it's good. We need to get away from the world, get away from all these distractions and focus on Jesus. But we also are supposed to be a part of the world, to live a life of love on others and fellowship with others and community. Another behavior that emerged out of this belief was flesh feasting. People feasted on the flesh. This view said that do whatever you want. It doesn't matter anyways because it's all evil. So just do whatever you want. Now, these people went to the extreme. They unplugged from any moral restraint. They just said, do whatever you want. And I think our world teaches that today. Do whatever you want. Do whatever feels good. The Apostle John doesn't waste any time getting to the core issue of Christianity here, which is Christ. I don't have to tell you today that there's much confusion about uh, Christianity and the essence of true Christianity. In our time, we see many different religions, many different denominations and spiritual practices that, that claim this is the way to go. But as we will see, Christianity is not just a system of thought or a philosophy. Christianity is about Jesus. It's in a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus is a fact. Jesus is to be proclaimed. He is to be shared, and he leads us to joy. I want to read 1 John with you, these first four verses. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy be, may be made complete. Christianity is a fact. It's not fiction. Our faith is not built upon a fairy tale or a myth or some legend of the past. But it's rooted in the facts of history. We see this in 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. The apostle writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes what we have looked at and our hands have touched. John doesn't begin his letter with an introduction or even a greeting. Instead, he starts off much like he did well, we, the gospel message that we read earlier in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is eternal from the very beginning to the very end. This also echoes back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. The sense also is that the message about Jesus hasn't changed. John has been with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry, and the the records about him are true. John heard what he said, saw what he did, and also touched Jesus. He was a first-hand eyewitness. This is a fact, not fiction. So John heard. I just want to just, John heard all of the amazing things that Jesus said, all of his godly wisdom, all of his, as he spoke to people in love and listened to, to Jesus teach on the kingdom of heaven. John and the disciples heard a lot of truth come from the mouth of Jesus. It said, he also says what we saw. John, John says he saw with his eyes, meaning that Jesus wasn't just a figment of his imagination. Jesus, John saw him with his eyes. Jesus was real. Jesus is real. John and the disciples saw Jesus perform many miracles, and they saw the way he loved people. Not only did they see him, but it says they looked at him. This goes beyond just seeing, but it means careful and deliberate consideration. To see with understanding. To see and to know. They watched Jesus carefully and spent time with him. He says, what our hands have touched. The disciples were around Jesus throughout his ministry. They touched his hands. They touched his his side, his skin. They felt his human body that was real and alive. And basically throughout this, John is saying that he's an eyewitness. I saw Jesus. Now this reminds me of the opening verses in, in Luke's gospel. Luke says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Christianity is fact, not fiction. We have four Gospels that tell about the life of Jesus, and all of the New Testament points to him and the old. Jesus Christ is real and he's alive. And my guess is that some of us have heard it so many times. We've heard the name Jesus so many times that we've kind of, it's just become natural to us. It's just something we just kind of brush aside. Eventually, we treat Jesus as if he's some made-up story or that he only comes around during Christmas or Easter. My prayer is that you experience Jesus Christ in such a mighty way that you know he's real, that your life is turned upside down. It reminds me of a song that I used to sing in, in church as a little boy. I love to be in the spotlight. I love to sing special music. My dad would play the piano. One of the first songs I remember singing was, My God is Real. I'm sure you know it. My God is real, real in my soul. My God is real, for he has washed and made me whole. His love for me is like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel him in my soul. Now, that's not as good as Ashley, but you know, just bear with me here. <laughs> but I love this song. And, and God is real, folks. 
In our passage, John is explaining that he has witnessed Jesus firsthand. He heard him, saw him, looked at him, touched him, and he's writing to others to explain the truth and reality behind this person they've heard about, that he's real. In the same way, if you're a Christian, you have experienced Jesus Christ firsthand. You've seen him do things in your life that only he can do. You call him your savior. You may have heard him tell you something as simple as, I love you. Or maybe he has touched you in a powerful way, or you've seen him in, up in other people. You're an eyewitness to that. You know that he is real, that Jesus Christ is a fact. But do you know what to do next? You proclaim him. You proclaim Jesus Christ in your, as in your life. Your life will reflect Jesus Christ. And not only that, Jesus will just enter into your conversation naturally. You'll just want to be talking about Jesus, singing about Jesus. He'll be on your mind throughout the day. Jesus Christ is real, and he's to be proclaimed. In the last part of verse 1 through the beginning of verse 3, John says, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Now, the word appeared is used twice here and means to put on display for all to see. Since Jesus has appeared, we can't help but announce this news to others because it's wonderful news. Notice the three times proclaim is used here. This word means to report or announce as a messenger. And he also uses the word testify, which is a word from the court system, which means to bear witness of what one has seen and heard. I love how eagerly the early church in, in Acts chapter 4, they were engaged in evangelism. They said, for we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. They just can't help it. We can't help but speak about Jesus Christ. The apostles were so excited about Jesus that they jumped in with both feet. How excited are you about your Savior? He's not supposed to be kept a secret. He's to be proclaimed everywhere we go. That's why we sing songs like, Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. When we encounter Christ, we're like the blind man who was given back his sight. Or the lame man who's able to walk again and, and just starts jumping up and shouting for joy because he's healed. He's met the Savior. That's the good news we're to proclaim. We were dead in our sins, and Jesus has washed us clean, made us free, made us alive. So are you keeping your faith private instead of proclaiming it? Is there someone you need to share Jesus with this week? I want to challenge you to share Jesus with someone. Just, just say one person this year and get started on it. Christianity is to be proclaimed, but it's also to be shared. It's not a selfish thing. The purpose of telling others about Christ is that more might be included in the fellowship. This is clear in verse 3. So that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. As Baptists, we often uh, define fellowship as the same thing as eating. Am I right? I know it. I've been Baptist my whole life. If someone says they've had good, some good fellowship, that means that they, they, there was good eating there. 
We had some good fellowship the other day. We ate pretty good. Some of us love that type of fellowship a little too much, don't we? I know I do. But it, it means more than that. It, it literally means to have in common or communion. One definition states, the setting aside of private interests and desires to join together with others for common purposes. Now think for a minute about Jesus' greatest commandments. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. There are two dimensions of fellowship. First, there's the vertical relationship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And then there is the horizontal relationship with everyone else, with one another. Now, this two-dimensional fellowship should always be deepening in both directions, in your relationship with God, the Father and His Son, but also with others. We're supposed to share the gospel, share in the life and love that God has given us. When God does something exciting in our lives or answers our prayers, we need to share that with others. Just like the Apostle John, we too are eyewitnesses of what God is doing in our world today. You may not see Jesus physically or be able to touch him like the disciples did, but you can listen deeply to God's word. You can see Jesus in the scriptures reading about his life, his death, his resurrection. All of that was for you. And you can watch him continue to move in powerful ways in, in your life, in the life of others, as you share together this joy. And that's what Christianity is all about, is about joy, too. It's about hope. But some of us don't exhibit, exhibit much joy, do we? We know who Jesus is, but we just kind of have a pity party every day. But God invites us to something new each day to experience the life that he created us for. A life of joy, where you smile so much your cheeks are sore. You shake so many hands your hands are sore because you're fellowshipping with others. The word complete that John writes, he says, we write this to make our joy complete. This word complete means to be filled full. Complete. Now, someone has said that if fellowship is the answer to spiritual loneliness, then joy is the answer to spiritual emptiness. Do you have joy in your life today? Have you ever gotten some news or been told that something was too good to be true? You just couldn't believe it, but, you know, it was, it was exciting news, but you're just like, no. You weren't, you're not sure about it. You're not, you're not sure if you could really rejoice over it. There's a few seconds left on the clock and your team is winning, but you're still doubting. Like, are we, can we celebrate yet? I think this is what the Apostle John is talking about. His desire is to inform and instruct fellow believers of Christ on what he has seen and witnessed and that his experience of Jesus can be trusted so that our joy may be made complete so that you can truly believe what you've heard about Jesus is true. I've seen him, heard him, touched him. I know he's a fact. And John gets fired up with rejoicing when he finds out that his friend's children are growing in Christ. As he writes in uh, 2 John chapter 4, it says, It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. 
For those of you who have children and see your, your kids walking in, in, in Christ, walking in, in, the, in the new life of, of Jesus Christ, doesn't that bring you joy? It ought to. John also was amped up when he saw that his spiritual children were living lives of obedience. And in 3 John, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy. In the same way, we also ought to be filled with complete joy. When we see others growing in Christ, when someone tells you about what God is doing in their lives, when you hear a testimony or you see someone smiling just because God is real. We have much to rejoice about because he is real. He's come to free us from our sins, to give us eternal life with him. We're to proclaim him, we're to share him, and we're to rejoice in him. In just a moment, we're going to sing a, a song of invitation. I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you're here this morning and have never met this real and personal Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. I'm going to be standing down here at the front, and I'll be here to pray with you. But this, this is your time. This is your time to respond. Your invitation to meet the real Savior. Because my God is real. I've seen him in my life. much for your service to our church today. If you will join